I am blanking on what this tune sounds like. I hate you. It's seven minutes. It's gnarly. It's what? <laughs> Why am I blanking? We love this music and we know what we are talking about. We've got opinions and we're not afraid to say them out loud. We already know if this is ska. Because this is Horn Pod. Horn Pod. Horn Pod. Welcome to Horn Pod, a ska podcast. I'm JJ Loy, and I am joined by yours truly from the Motor City. I don't know. <laughs> I bailed on my own intro two words in. <laughs> well, at least you tried something. God, JJ, how are you doing? I am pretty good. Feeling this this kind of fall weather is about to the hit and that's like my favorite thing I, I the, the heat was really getting to me i'm a fall weather guy myself yeah and plus like right now uh this week i'm i i'm off work for a week without without any reason like i didn't go on vacation or anything like i was actually supposed to be i was supposed to go to nashville in the second week of october with my mom for a john prine 80th birthday celebration kind of thing sweet who, who would be playing that? So the thing is, like, we got tickets to a show that was in Nashville, and, like, they didn't announce the lineup. So I think it was just going to be, like, all of Nashville's stars paying <laughs> a tribute. You hope. Yeah, yeah. But now because of the the pandemic stuff, that whole thing was pushed back to next year. And, like, between Supernova not happening for me and then this other trip, falling through i'm like God, i just really need to take a week off somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah totally i didn't know you were into john prime but that like that totally tracks like that's the kind of non-sky shit that that i think we have in, in common you know i don't yeah i don't uh, i am surprised that you give it a damn about john prime but yeah i i very much care about john prime <laughs> oh yeah and i mean his songs they're they're just they're killers like they're like nothing can like break your heart like a john prine tune you know right like it's it's the it's not poetic like uh like bob dylan it's a very plain language which kind of makes it all the more damaging to you i think uh -huh. like he he breaks your heart without any tricks like uh yeah it, well said it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing man it's he just he had a way with words and and it was and it was funny too like he's a very funny songwriter oh yeah he was a he was a guy man he was he was one of those dudes <laughs> so let's like let's make it uh appropriate for the show here can we think of any john prine scott covers or uh vic Ruggiero and lauren napier is that her last name i think so they they made a a record recent like over the pandemic times that includes a cover of in spite of ourselves oh for real which is a john prine song he did yeah oh, it's a great which song. is a great song choice for vic because like that's like he does those duets you know yeah like a kind of like a rascally dirty old love song <laughs> yeah uh what was that tune that he can't think of oh lonely nights yes is a very John Prine esque kind of duet. Oh, absolutely, yes. Like the yeah. the kind of the the duet sense, but even like the storytelling aspect of it is just such. Like I'm, I was I was taken aback when I saw that there was that Vic had recorded a John Prine cover. But then, like when you think about it for even a second, you're like, of course, John Prine was part of Vic's like <laughs> education, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because I used to think like, oh, if I was to compare Vic to anybody in the country world, it would probably be like Towns Van Zant. But now that it, now that we're talking about it, like I really do, I'm feeling this this John Prine connection a little more, you know. But yeah, I gotta say that this uh, kind of good mood I'm in is not just uh, like weather based. Uh, I yeah. it kind of kicked off with with watching Supernova uh, last weekend. Yeah, dude. I've invited you, you, and you to come and do what you do. Do it with I eleven and everyone, people. It's time to come out and have some fun. Can you dig it, baby? A 
come out. And, and so, you know, I didn't catch it all live. I watched some of the rebroadcast, too. So, I mean, yeah, I got to say, the, the whole live stream and archive has just been, like, uh, a real gift. And uh, I, I, knowing me and my, like, social anxiety and stuff, I wonder if I, if I even enjoyed it more sitting at home than I would have going. I feel a little bit selfish in saying this, but I definitely think I experienced it the best possible way for me this year. Oh, for real? Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I regret, like, there are so many friends, like, I regret not having seen in person, but I, I the way, especially, like, as well as it was presented, I don't feel like I even missed out on a lot, like, for, musically, because the performances musically. were so were so well captured. Yeah, I mean, there's a social aspect that I missed out on some of the, the late night parties and whatever else, but, yeah. like, I, I feel like... Th that would have been i still feel like i made the correct choice in in avoiding that and just getting the music from the stream because i feel like that was what i really needed and i think that was rejuvenating to me man did i enjoy it i really i really love seeing so many of these sets and i, I think i think i enjoyed it better too like having having done our little our little series too because uh yeah i don't know if i don't know if, if i would have even like caught flymo you know I don't think if I would have been, I don't think it would have been ready for Rude Girl Review, you know? And Rude Girl Review, I mean, I I told <laughs> after, I think it was the next morning, but it might have been that night, uh, I shot Jenny Whiskey a text and said something about your your song made me cry, you asshole. Because <laughs> <laughs> it did. Because just like, it would have hit me harder in person, I'm sure, but the way that the editing even was was powerful enough that when she's just almost like yelling these affirmations at the women in the front row as they cut to a <laughs> camera panning all of the all of the women who have been given the space in the front of the audience uh -huh. it was just so beautiful man some familiar faces yeah and then like just the, the set itself the the power of it the size of the sound it was all of it was the song choices it was just beautiful. It was like the entire thing was so well assembled. That's what kept uh, crossing my mind too while watching it is just like how impressive that camera crew was, because I don't I don't know how often they're swapping out like an A team and a B team, but it looked to me like these guys were all up on stage for every set, you know, right. really sweating their asses off, carrying right. around steady cams, working remotes, like they, like either it was a really large crew that was working their ass off or it was a small crew that was really, really working their ass off. But like, right. it was, it was, it, I thought it was just going to be like a camera pointed at the stage. This is what you get. And it was, it was done like a, like a live production. It was so impressive. Right. They did it like it was being produced for the audience at home. Yeah. Like they yeah. cared about the audience at home. And that was such a wonderful touch because like they really didn't, they didn't have to do that. And I don't know if anybody was expecting such a high quality thing and i know you're missing out on some of your friends but i, I have to say I, I saw that you got a a gift uh, that i don't think you would have gotten had you gone <laughs> to by way of this uh this kind of uh sign campaign <laughs> yeah apparently matt flood from his bestest made a sign uh on a piece of cardboard with sharpie that just said fuck matt wixen and a friend of mine ren from here who made the trip down was going around the festival and photographing people I know holding the sign until at some point she was forced to make a nice version on the other side, <laughs> which said, hi, Matt Wixom, which had my last name spelled wrong, which is a wonderful inside joke <laughs> yeah. uh, for anybody that knows because my name is constantly spelled wrong. It was this whole like inside joke that really just kind of made me like they made everybody else think about me for a minute. And even though right. they were all saying, fuck Matt Wixon, like they knew, at least my friends knew that this was all just a nice gesture to make them think about me and make me feel included, which is exactly how it was received. <laughs> but no, I thought that was, I thought that was all like super sweet. And, and yes. I'm, I'm kind of riding, riding high on a Scott vibe right now. And I think a lot of people in the country are, 
Uh, and I think it's I think it is because of Supernova. I don't think this would have like been the vibe in the air right now just just for any old September, you know. No, for sure. I think that especially like because it brought people from all over the country to one geographical place, but then brought people from all over the world uh, to attend either in person or virtually. So like, yeah, this this one kind of thing did kind of it, it did bring the Scott scene together focused on one thing for a weekend so uh yeah i, th- I think uh, i think supernova is going to be a, a real mainstay going forward i, I feel like uh, I, I think even even tim was kind of commenting on that on on facebook like, like he feels like this is kind of the one that that arrived you know yeah and to be honest that makes it hurt a little bit more that i wasn't there but again i still i still don't re- i don't have any regrets Also wanna, I want to talk about uh, this new website we launched for sure, because we have finally published the Ska Canon. Probably the probably the most bit of of request we get is uh, where's where's this written down? Where's the Ska Canon written down? <laughs> and many have tried to duplicate it in their own ways, Spotify playlists, what have you. There's only one actual Ska Canon, and it's at Ska Canon. No, it's not. <laughs> it's at hornpod.org which is a dot org <laughs> yeah i'm super psyched about uh how, how we got it set up like i always had this kind of vision of of uh of a thing where we could not only just like have the list but you know have it kind of visually represented with the with the album covers and have links so that people can listen to it and yeah have it tied back into the episodes they're talked about so it all kinds of feet it all kind of feeds itself yeah. You can find the records. You can, I mean, see the records in context in a list, but you can also easily listen to them, easily listen to us talking about them if, you, if you're if you into it. Like, it's all kind of there, and I think it's a cool way. And props to you because you, JJ, assembled the whole thing. Oh, I, I really love how it's all organized because I had <laughs> practically nothing to do with it other than, hey, I think you <laughs> should do this maybe. Oh no! You 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 give us the whole design look and everything. Come on, get out of here. I've, I I refuse to take any credit for this, <laughs> but I love. It's I really riddled with your artwork. <laughs> sure, I do like how all the artwork looks. I like the the look of our episodes. Yeah, I love that we have a look. Yeah, yeah I am proud of that much. But the organization of the the canon itself, in particular, yeah. and I think it kind of it makes us show our work kind of kind of show where we're at so people can take a look and see where our faults are even right where do we need to go what needs to be covered you know we've already gotten a little bit of that feedback yes oh i did want to mention there's multiple ways you can you can sort the 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 list too you can change the views and all that and you can it's right now i think the default is to sort it by year but you can sort it by episode but a real fun way you can sort it that i'm not sure anybody's really discovered yet is you can sort it by canon, yay or nay. And so the default is to show you just what we've entered in. But there are, you know, scant few records that we've said no to. Oh, and yeah. those are those can be those can be uncovered as well. So uh, it's fun to play. I mean, I don't know how fun, but you can you can play around, dig dig a little deeper if if you're into that. It's fun in a data way. It's fun in a data way. So yeah, I guess I guess we we really want to hear from the listeners too. Like, you know, what do you what do you think of it? What where are there gaps? Um, are there features we need to add? Is there is there another kind of way we could be slicing this too, you know? Right, because you, I mean, you you know as listeners that this is a work in progress and that there are more things to come. There are more albums and what have you to go into the Scott Cannon, but there's obviously some stuff that's, like, if there's anything glaring, like, hey, why the fuck? Like, I know that we haven't, there's a lot of two-tone music, for instance, that we haven't touched on. Because we did an episode about the specials, but nothing else really about their peers. So, like, that's that's obviously a hole. Go ahead and look yeah. for stuff like that. If we're missing, like, geographic areas, demographic areas, let us know. Oh, yeah, always. Even even if you got ideas for, for episodes, let, let us know, for sure. Yeah. We're here today. Uh, we got a, we got ourselves a main topic, right? I would say it's a main topic. 
main <laughs> topics. Real deal. It's definitely not a side topic. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like the time has come that we like really take a look at the scompilation. Yeah. So we yeah, when we were talking about this, I kind of confessed, and it was also partly a realization to me. Compilations really didn't play much of a part in my ska journey. And I think that that's very weird. I I think, and I, I, I joked about this before with you, that like our our slight age difference is actually kind of a a bit of a generation gap. I think I think this might speak to that. I th- I think you you weren't there for the whole like mad dash to discover all the ska bands. You were kind of there for the pick, picking up on who was who was making a big splash. You know exactly. You kinda, yes, like I yeah. like compilations were a thing of the punk world, like the DIY world, and that was not like my punk music was the radio punk music, and my ska music was the radio ska music. Until like, I mean, 2000, 2001. And so like the the golden era of these ska comps where everybody's discovering these bands all over the country. Like, right. I wasn't there for it, you know? <laughs> right. It was like a kind of a two, uh, two sided or a two, uh, what is it? A double edged sword. Like, no, that's not the right metaphor, but it is a, it is a two thing. <laughs> stuff can be two things what one is that you've got all these bands out there that are like how do we how, how do you find your your broader audience and then you've got these these young kids in the middle of a ska wave being like oh i've heard ska i like ska now now what do i do you know right these compilations are 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 the audience finding uh, a massive amount of new stuff to check out while it it offers the bands a, a chance to to probably get distributed way farther than they could ever do on their own. Oh yeah, for sure. So there's your classic two thing that I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, like two like a double-edged sword. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like for me because of just because of the timing and maybe this is like the age difference, by the time I was ready to dig deeper into Scott, I already had the internet. Right. So everything had already been ripped to Soul Seek. Yes. So I <laughs> <laughs> to LimeWire. And there was already there was already message boards where I could find out bands from other people. Like I could that's like I found word of mouth that way. Whereas okay. like I didn't it wasn't like through the liner notes and through compilation appearances. Like I was it was actually plenty of like pirating music. Uh, well, let me ask you something. Did did because for me, I guess part of it was, all right, well, this is a compilation by this label. Right. And so you kind of got this feeling f- for what that label stood for, even if they weren't all bands that were signed on that label or whatever. You kind of got this vibe of like what the label sounded like. Sure. What, did you, do you think you gave more or less of a shit about about labels? Uh, I'm talking about record labels when, when you were pulling all this from the internet? To be honest, I don't think that made much of a difference to me. Um, so you, you didn't think of like Moon had a sound and Asian Man kind of had a sound. That wasn't really in my head when I started getting into it. No. Okay. Like it, I, That's it, so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't really divided like that to me. Like I, I knew that, like I was aware that there was like Hellcat and Asian Man and that kind of thing. And obviously Moon, like I, I was aware that they existed, but that was, I, I didn't really segregate them and they didn't have their own to me they didn't have their own specific like identities to them interesting yeah all right so keeping with like your experience with compilations i know that like in the 2000s you appeared on digital compilations that were like huge sure Um, i mean huge in number did you did you feel that that did much for you being on those (laughs) i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be honest. So I'm, I'm curious, like, <laughs> d- does a digital comp- compilation have, like, anywhere near the same, like, reach and impact I mean, that, I, that these I CD ones did in the 90s? I don't think it possibly can, to be honest. Like, yeah. Because in the 90s, like, with a CD, like, it's kind of, like, you had a, a captive audience for the length of that piece of media. So, like, you were, you were going to listen to this hour of, you know, whatever Asian man put on this compilation. Right. You spent the money, now drive around with it. Right. Whereas today, yeah. there's 
like people don't really listen to music like that i don't think anymore <laughs> like there's not much of a difference between like a label sampler and just a playlist right and i don't know if either of them has much of a much more of an impact than the other Speaking of like kind of the generational differences uh, of the comps, like if you look back to kind of uh, early ska compilations or even like, you know, the Trojan Records compilations and things like that, that of reggae that were being exported, those, those also seem to take kind of a, we've tested these songs in Jamaica, these are hits. Now here, here they are packaged up for, for other audiences. Right. Trust us. Right. While the 90s ones had a bit more of a, hey, roll the dice on this. Uh, we're not even <laughs> sure we stand by this stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know? like, <laughs> I, I, I will say, like, I've owned ska compilations. There is one that, uh, I honestly, I think it was given to me as a gift. Because I don't even think my naive self would have bought this. But there was a compilation that was clearly, like, a cash-in for, like, the 90s boom. It was, like, in the... It was probably like 1998 this was released called Ska Tracks, The Next Generation. Mr. Wharf. Fire. And this is like not in the spirit of the comps we're talking about. <laughs> so I'm just going to go down the list real quick. It's got sure. My Town by Buck09, Sellout by Real Big Fist, Rascal King by The Boston, Spiderwebs by No Doubt, Lost Again by Dancehall Crashers. Then it gets a little bit kind of deeper, Too Much Pressure by The Selector. Then Doing Time by Sublime, which is like the least Scott, even of their singles. <laughs> Followed by Damn It by Blink-182, which is clearly not even kind of a ska song. <laughs> I, I feel like the people making this were like, and if you like ska, you will also like this other California music. <laughs> right. And so like, they've also got Transistor by 311, which <sighs> barely, okay, barely counts mm -hmm. and then they've got mon pa by fishbone classic deep cut oh. uh here in your bedroom by goldfinger a message to you rudy by the specials one step beyond by madness and then papa's got a brand new pig bag by pig bag I've never heard of this song, and I own this compilation. <laughs> you you poop out before you get to Pig Bag. <laughs> and to be fair, like that kind of did get me a little bit deeper into like I it gave me a familiarity with some of the two tone records. So this was an early early on one for you, huh? Yeah, this was like the late '90s for me, and I also I think I've said before about some of the the surprisingly deep selections at my local library right <laughs> uh i there was a couple of like there was at least one collection that was just like two-tone music that was like a few selections from the selector a few from the beat a few from madness that kind of thing and so like that was a good starter as well but i never had the experience of like the asian man comp that won me over or the moon sky comp or the hellcat comp well let me tell you kind of my my breakdown was that the Asian man ones were maybe a little lower in quality. Like uh, some of them were maybe like a lot of demos. Right. But uh, that there was at least some kind of, I don't know, quality control of a kind on, on Mike Park's part. While the moon comps were just huge and sprawling and really hit or miss. And you started <laughs> hearing these rumors that it was pretty much just like, if you were a ska band, you wanted to be on moon because of the distribution. And uh, you sent your demo in to, to Bucket, and then he would just throw it on a compilation, like, and that was it. Like, yeah. it was just send in a demo; it ends up on a comp, and and you could just kind of tell there was no. I don't know. I would listen to these, and I was like, I don't really want to get into half of this, you know? Right. A lot of this. Right. Time. Well, I mean, that's kind of a ska compilation as like a ska festival. Like, if there's enough bands on it, like. There is a lot of garbage out there, and Scott <laughs> has always been pretty welcoming of anybody that wants to be in the Scott tent. You know, like, I, yeah. I think as a, as a scene, maybe because of just the perennial chip on our shoulders, 
like maybe we're just too permissive we have too low standards <laughs> i don't know but yeah i I, do, I know exactly what you're talking about yes um and then there was always like these these other comps that were like you could tell like okay well we had a bunch of live sets from uh the early 80s and it was easy to license so you know right yeah you, you started realizing oh this is just all a bunch of tunes from like the same concert series or whatever you know or or a bunch of european bands that, that maybe aren't even still together anymore they were kind of part of a, right. a post two-tone wave or a pre-third wave kind of thing well actually you know what one one compilation that i i guess it did kind of expose me to to some stuff was one of the ska parade compilations running naked through the cornfield yeah because like as, as a person that got into ska via the Orange County bands first. That particular comp, that ska parade comp, like it, it wasn't just Orange County bands or just California bands because there was like specials tracks and stuff like from all over the world. Oh yeah. But but it was very much like curated by by Tazy to be like this is what California was listening to kind of this is like this is what we're putting out into the world from California but it was also a lot of like the bands that influenced Real Big Fish and that kind of thing yeah and so it was really kind of cool to hear some of the roots of the LA scene as well as like some of their influences this one goes out to Tazy Less on that second one, the the running through the cornfields that you were talking about. The the first one was a lot of recordings from the radio show itself. Yes, too, and and that's that was also a really cool part to know that there was a show out there that like bands would stop by, right. and record for like. I mean, tell no lie, that's exactly what I ended up wanting to do <laughs> with my show. Right, you wanted to be the guy who broke Sublime, the next Sublime. <laughs> Well, see, okay, see, that was actually the least impressive thing to me. He was, you know, Tasty's <laughs> always talking about, like, who he helped make big. And I was more impressed with it being kind of a mecca. Like, everybody go play right. this radio show, you know? Like, I like the idea of live archivist music, and I, I like the idea that, that there's a destination for ska bands to go to to facilitate that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And those records turned me on to so many cool bands. Like uh, Unsteady turned me on yeah. to um, the Skeletons. I was into My Superhero for a minute there. Man, My <laughs> Superhero is such a bonkers band, and I never would have heard of them if it wasn't for the Scott Parade comps. <laughs> oh, you know what else? This is like, I mean, this is a little bit different, but... The Operation Ivy Tribute album. Oh, yeah. That was a really interesting peek into the ska scene because it did have, like, it had, like, your real big fish and cherry pop and daddies intermingling with the hippos and Jeffrey's fan club and the Aquabats. And, like, it's a little bit... I. I, I really like that was a cool because like a lot of those bands were the bands that I was like, oh, these are the ska bands that I care about <laughs> right. at the time because and I had just I had just been given the Bible of Operation Ivy as well. And I'm like, OK, so here's how it ties into the music I like. And it was that mm -hmm. that compilation was kind of a nice piece of it for me as well. Well, yeah. And it's a good sampling of like, OK, well, what would they do with this song you already know? So right. you, it, I don't know. It gives you kind of two points to triangulate your your opinion. Right. Of them, you know, not right. just what they sound like, but what they don't sound. Like, yeah, you know? exactly. Did you ever listen to Island Records put out a, um, a third wave comp called Scott Island? No. Ocean Eleven, Hepcat, Jump with Joey. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Oh, one other. Now I'm doubting. Do I have the right one? Oh, let me look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a problem though? Too that they, they, they do all start to kind of run together. 
Yeah, unless you know the comp real well, you could be talking about any of thousands of ska compilations. Okay, yes, this was the one I was thinking of. Yeah, it's got some, it's got Dr. Ringding, it's got Scatolites, Ernest Wranglin, Hepcat Ocean Eleven. Oh, wow. A really solid, not super long, but a real solid Oh, you know what? Record. I think I do know what that, I, I'm familiar with, I don't know if I've heard that record, but I know what that is. I know what you're talking you've, about. You've seen yes. it. Yes. <laughs> and one other compilation that was like it's later but version the version city sessions comp that was kind of a oh, absolutely a, a collaboration between django and asian man the, these things have like a way of like opening up a world to you and that was my my window into version city and like you get a sense of all the things that are going on there that are all like connected all of these different bands that are connected to this one place and it had a bunch of wild like a bunch of wild songs even for like like it doesn't it doesn't even give you a good sense of the general music produced there because he puts a bunch of weird songs on their album and it's such a cool experiment i think of like here's the here's the studio as the star it just sort of gives me the vibe that like gives me the sense that there was a mysterious fucking smoky building here where all this great music is just churning out 24 7. so so now you're getting to what to what i'm talking about so you you did experience this it just took you a minute to figure it out like the, these comps were like little they were, they were more than just the music. They were they were like these little peeks into like like a time capsule into almost. like a bigger scene. Yeah, like they they really did plug you in 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 more more than just the one way. You know, it was like a two thing, a classic two thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after all, stuff can do two things, right? I listened to the American Scothic series. It wasn't huge for me. I don't think a lot of that still stands as like really really great tunes but i think i think the the big thing with american scothic was it was the first time that it was like really kind of making the case for for the midwest all these midwestern bands and in in, in that you're kind of saying like listen like every city's got one of these but it doesn't even have to be the big cities now it's just like every every city's got one of these i feel like i should have like i'm a person that should have had an impact on made on me by the american scothic series and i just have not um <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, what you said is exactly correct, though. Like what Chuck did with that series was really put Midwest ska on the map, and for those bands and himself, and, I think, and himself, I think, yes. I think really placed Jump Up in a in a great place. Right, he kind of made Chicago. I mean, Chicago has already been the capital of the Midwest, and I'm I assume you agree with that. Oh yeah. But like he kind of made Jump Up as the the sky label of chicago like this the center of midwest ska as well like he chicago was the place you would go to play a festival because that's where jump up was right and all of these bands met because of the hub which was jump up records yeah so like that those compilations like to me having come like a a ska generation i guess after those bands like it, it's it's hard for me to say that it made any direct impact on me, but like the way that that grew the local scenes, even like the regional scenes, is like immeasurable. Like you can't have a lot of what we have without that. And kind of on that tip, less less focused on the Midwest and and more on the the whole U.S. Um, the Mashing Up the Nation CD was was my first ska comp, along with um, I bought the All Canadian Club, so I was kind of getting the a U.S. and a Canadian sampler right off the bat there, and that is a record I still listen to a lot. I love Mashing Up the Nation. There, I think there are some real solid tunes. I think there are some real '80s sounds, some real <laughs> '90s sounds. Like it is, it is a real unique record. Like you said, a real place and time kind of record. That's that's the late '80s, right? It's late '80s, early '90s, yeah. Uh, so you got some Bim Scala Bim. You've got some early Urge on there. Okay. Uh, Gangster Fun has two tracks on there. Uh, Let's go bowling. Yeah, I'm looking at this. I, I 
I see Bob Harvey is on here, which is very interesting to me because I've recently. Do you know Bob Harvey? I've recently become friends with somebody from Bob Harvey. <laughs> oh yeah, they they um I actually had a whole CD of theirs. I I probably still do. They were real kind of circusy and wild, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and apparently they were a big influence on King Apparatus. I, Chris Murray told me that once. Very cool. Yeah. I'm trying to see if King Apparatus, yes, they were on the All Canadian Club uh, CD that I also had. I imagine they must have been, yeah. Yeah. This says it came out in 96, but I started listening to Scott in 95, so maybe this wasn't one of my first CDs. Hmm, fishy. Hmm. Something's fishy. Maybe it's my memory. It's probably my memory, right? I don't know. Could be. Discogs is not wrong. (laughs) Never doubt the Discogs. (laughs) But yes, I have gone back to listen to this All Canadian Club CD. And let me tell you, it does not hold up. There's some bad stuff on here. I actually think that there might, that might have been one of the ones I I took a gamble on, like $3 in the Best Buy bargain bin. (laughs) Um... (laughs) But yeah, I, that might have been one of the ones where I listened to it. And I'm like, this is not going to be in the rotation. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird because, okay, very last track. I don't remember this. Venice Shoreline Chris, Rocksteady. Ooh. Um, they should have put that way up front. That song is so good and so classic. Right? Big fumble. Oh, what do you, they're, not, they're Canadian. They, they, they didn't know. Okay. God bless them. God bless their hearts. Bless their damn hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Bad Time has done a couple big ones. They did like that Ska Against Racism compilation a year or two ago. They had like the whole scene almost was on there. They had a, a new Mustard Plug song. They had a song with Tim Armstrong collaborating with Jesse Michaels. Uh, a couple years before that, they made a, a record, a compilation, The Sound of Ska Punk to Come. Yes. That was that was kind of like the statement of their label, I think, at the time, which was like, here is, here is Ska Core and here are the people doing it and here's what you should be paying attention to and that one in particular i think i think that kind of has the same spirit as some of these 91 90s ones that's interesting in that like they're kind of it's it's almost a mission statement like some of these comps kind of were uh kind of snapshots of like these are this is our community this is these are who we've chosen to represent us I do get the feeling like Bad Time is kind of operating on that kind of like 90s, like, it's not nostalgia. It's certainly not retro. No, but it no. It's kind of like we're kind of doing that thing in a 90s DIY way, you know? Well, I think that that is kind of part of their DNA. It's part of, I mean, it's part of the Community Records DNA. And I know the Community Records is a different label, but the Bad Operation Band is on bad time records now and they run community records <laughs> and jeff rosenstock is not on bad time records but like he's part of their dna and all of that is influenced by mike park and mike park is like the quintessential 90s compilation guy oh isn't that interesting like yeah there are, it is kind of all the sons of asian man yeah it? yeah like in, in a way all of this even even less than jake who you say is the big influence to, the, to all that in a sense um, yes mike park kind of discovered them too <laughs> yeah even less than jake uh owes their their shit to mike park and all of these bands are influenced by the business of Mike Park, the music of Less Than Jake. It's all tied together, man. And it all starts, I think, on like Misfits of Ska. Mmm, dot, dot, dot. That, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> listener feedback is a segment where you, the listener, get the chance to speak your mind, offer corrections, and otherwise join the conversation. Uh, what what listener feedback are we responding to? We do have one little phone call. Hey, JJ. This is Matt, your, your co-host. 
I'm listening to the latest episode we just did about traditional Scott Punk. And I, I really missed an opportunity. I, I said the word Horcrux or Horcruxes when uh, we were talking about Jay Navarro splitting himself into three separate bands. And I really should have made the pun Horn Cruxes. Those were his Horn Cruxes. And if I didn't stop the episode right now and, and leave this message, I'd forget about it. And I also thought this would be a really funny bit, maybe. Please don't tell me about this. Maybe I'll forget about it. And and we'll see what happens. <laughs> so yeah, that that's that's pretty much it. We we did get some feedback about the um the new website and things like that. But but as far as uh as far as the Hornpod hotline goes, uh yeah, just, just that there that that Well, you know what? I'm proud of me. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely uh yeah, we always want to be hearing from from the listeners. And actually, we do have we do have some feedback that's going to be more appropriate for a uh for a future show. So so if you called and made some messages, uh, don't worry. We are we are going to play them here real soon. We're not blowing uh, you we off. Wanna, We're not blowing you off. Yeah, we just, just want to play it for the right time. Uh, but yeah, give us a call at uh, 16 Hornpod 15 and uh, let us know what you think uh, about any of this stuff. Give us your favorite comps. Tell us what's missing from the Scott Cannon. Tell us what you think of the website. Yeah. Talk back to us. Tell us, tell us what you think. We're trying to hear about this. Uh, all right. Well, the, uh, the Scott Cannon is a segment where we... Two ska aficionados decide which albums will be accepted by all future ska scholars as key to shaping the ongoing definition of ska. Tonight on the ska canon, uh, yeah, compilations. Uh, let's see, where do we pick up from the dot dot dot? You were talking about Misfits of Ska from Asian Man, nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Uh, take I take it you had this record, Matt? I actually did not have this record. I did not listen no. to this album until today. Are you serious? I'm I'm dead serious. And that's, like, when we were talking about that, like, that's when I realized, like, I really, that's how out of touch I am with, like, compilation culture. <laughs> like, I missed, I missed some of these very important big ones. So, brand new listen just today. What'd you think? It's... I mean, first of all, for 1995, the track listing is stunning. To look at this as like right before Sky blew up, it's insane right. to see the list of bands that were on this album. Yeah, it's like a who's who of who got deals. It is, but it's also <laughs> like a lot of the other stuff. Like when you were saying like hit and miss, there's a lot of absolute garbage on this compilation as well. Even like from bands like. Like the Suicide Machines, like this cover of I Don't Want to Hear It sounds like shit. And they were offered. A, it's rough. Yeah. And they're one of the bands that were very soon after offered a major label deal. And that's so insane to me. Like some of the stuff that these bands put on here, whether they knew that they were putting their possibly only foot forward, the only thing the industry was ever going to hear or whether they were just throwing something onto another comp that they didn't think was going to be anything like right. What do, what do we ha actually have recorded? Send them something. Right. Like this have, could have you know? it could have just been a throwaway track that ended up making right. the career for some band. <laughs> and it's kind of hard to tell what's what because some of these sound very rough, even for yeah. bands that like at the time probably had more polished tracks uh, on their on their hands already. Yeah, you got to wonder what 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 the thought process was on some of them um actually so you mentioned that you know this is suicide machines best foot forward i actually had another comp uh that i probably should have brought up in the earlier conversation it is lo-fi but has some like really stellar stuff on there i was called pick it up a ska luncheon <laughs> okay and it's got some less than jake it's got some um dance hall crashers and it's got two tracks by suicide machines that are just as rough as the one that's on Misfits of Sky. Like, it is just, like, demo level, so much hardcore influence that it is. Right. They're just, they're just really rough and noisy. Yes. And 
And you, you really do got to wonder, like, why was this the band that was given the chance? Like, I thank God they were given the chance. They sound really good when you polish them up. Right. What was it? What was it that, that the record execs heard on, on this tune, you know? Man, we're going to have to talk to Jay sometime about what <laughs> Disney was thinking, trying to make money <laughs> off of them. Because right? none of it really adds up when you think about it. Oh, the name? The name, the content of their songs... <laughs> The quality of their recordings, just like the attitude as I know them to be, like, I really want to find out. We're going to have to do the oral history of the Suicide Machines getting that would signed. That would be great. We're going to do an episode <laughs> about that someday. We're not going to get sidetracked too deep on this, though. Because on this but compilation... The, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> the Sublime track on here is, is real rough. Yes! Like, it's... it's you know, and of course, like the whole album Robin on the Hood is really rough. Like Sublime didn't have any trouble sounding rough, but it just, you know. And it sounds like Sublime, but it sounds like Sublime when they were rough. I have a secret place inside my mind where I keep hidden inspiration you won't find. Yeah, and like the CD, if you listen to it, I don't know if, if it's like this on a on a more digital platform, but uh, the the CD, if I remember right, the volume levels were all over the place. It's <laughs> just not CD, mastered so. well. Right, like, yeah. But, uh, so yeah, on one hand, a very rough compilation album, but on the other hand, it's so uh, prescient in its, in its ability to decide who, who was going forward in this scene, you know? I mean, some of these bands broke up. Janitors Against Apartheid. I always thought they were they had uh, they had something there, and they didn't make it. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, it's not everybody. But, but I, uh, uh, I'll, I'll give Voodoo Glow Skulls, Real Big Fish. Right. Like these these are all bands that like Less Than Jake. Right. Like this, the fact that Less Than Jake, Real Big Fish, Sublime, Voodoo Glow Skulls are all on this compilation in 1995. Just those bands alone is enough that like. What a big fucking deal. Like Mike Park had his fingers on the pulse, you know, like, and the yeah. fact that all of these other bands too, slapstick meal ticket, Johnny Sacco, like the foundations of what became like the, the core of Asian man's like ska punk wing MU330, obviously like, Oh yeah. I think, yeah. Like the title alone kind of says it like these, these are like the psycho ska dudes. These are, these are the guys <laughs> yeah. that weren't like, weren't trying to be trad at all. But like, what else are they? Are you gonna call it? Like, they're they're fucking with ska. Like, these are ska bands, you know. And that became the whole scene. Like, this seemed out of place at first. This seemed too, too wild at first. Right. Because and... in 1995, the ska scene, if it was organized at all, was still like the descendants of two tone. Right. Like the it's Bim Scalabim and the Toasters spreading the word and Hepcat and like. It's not this wild ska punk thing, whereas this compilation comes along and it brings together these bands from all over the country that are all onto this pretty distinctly different idea of what ska can be played as. Uh, and like none of them even really sound similar to each other in that they're all taking ska and doing something else with it, like Fishbone did. If this album is the album that kind of became the cheat sheet for the major labels going for looking for bands to sign because like even the Blue Meanies ended up with a major label deal. Like this was the group of bands it seems that, and it seems like Mike Park even agrees with this. Uh, these were like the bands that people were looking to when they decided to try to make money off of it, you know? Like when the labels tried to make money off of it. Oh, yeah. And this is like an album that like they had to re-release a couple times because of album art, copyright things like it was very right. it's it so punk rock that like he just didn't even care about ripping off Misfits logos and old movie, you know, he was, actor likenesses. He was sued by Toho, the studio that owns Godzilla's likeness, and he had to re-release it without Godzilla on it. But it's 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 a CD worth not just pulling from the shelves. It's a CD worth re-releasing, and I think he knew that to re-release it three times shows that like he knew he was onto something too. You know, like right. And for this his, is a vibe for his, like, a collection. As rough as some of these songs sound, this compilation I read sold like fifty thousand copies. It's nuts. All told, you know, like it's it's a widely like this went to a lot of people. A lot of people heard this, and a lot of people 
yeah. took this as part of their understanding of what Scott was and what it could be. One of the interesting things here, looking at the track list, yeah, we talk about these big names on here, but I think my favorite tracks are the ones from the bands that didn't quite make it. I really love One Eye Opens, Paul Sherrar. That was a real weird one, yeah. Um, their studio cut of that is a little bit more dubby, but, but pretty much like the same version, and it's it's pretty cool. Slapsticks, Nate B. I, I just something about uh, a sincere apology in a song is... <laughs> Um, even even this rough ass Scott Punk tune is very touching. It's just a very like real emotional song. Yeah. Meal ticket. I always love meal ticket. I got a, I got a real place for meal ticket. Oh yeah, for sure. And then this this one right towards the end, bloody night, bloody knife. Yes. Is not great, but I always really liked it um, way back when, and I would wrap that on some Halloween episodes every now and then on the old radio show. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's a mixed bag, and and even amongst like the the there's there's the cream of the crop, and then there's the the lesser than, but like there's there's still kind of variation amongst those two groupings too. Like yeah, there's a lot to like about this CD. And I also just want to give them props too for putting so much of Detroit on this record because with the Suicide Machines, the Exceptions, oh, yeah. and. Uh, Gangster Fun. That's three Detroit bands, and that's quite a bit for a 19-song compilation from California. Also, I probably should have mentioned this when we brought up American Scothic, but like, since the exceptions are here, I I played a show with them once. I and it was for an American Scothic like reunion show in okay. in Chicago. It was like the 25th anniversary of the the compilation or something. And so I got to hang out with with a lot of those bands that were on the compilation. But then like. When I was listening to this, I'm like, oh, shit. I also played in the Suicide Machines for a show. I'm all over this compilation. <laughs> a decade and a half later. <laughs> so when I enter this into the Scott Cannon, I won't write various artists. I'll just write uh, Matt Wicks. Yeah, this is really like me featuring <laughs> Tantra Monsters, me featuring Skank and Pickle. <laughs> but yeah, no, my vote is up. My vote, My vote is thumbs up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's a very cool record. I think uh, I think it's a very important record. I think if you if you polled a lot of uh, third wave kids, they would they would say that this this record was a was a big one for them. Asian Man also put out the the Mail Order is fun. I think a lot of people would say that 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 that's a big one too. But I think this is the one in my gut. I really feel like this is the one to to put in and to, and to talk about too. Yeah, I feel like if we're doing talking ska too, this is definitely more specifically ska. Whereas mail order is mail order fun is more of like a just like a label sampler. This feels like a ska statement. So yes, it's a yay for both of us. So we're putting it right into the can of Misfits of Ska. I think it originally came out on Dill, and then when when Mike moved things over to Asian Man, brought brought that with him, right? Yeah, I think this like actually predates Asian Man. Is that is that right? Yeah, that sounds right. That feels right. Yeah, in the canon. In it. Uh, yeah. So so this next one uh, I think is kind of a leap ahead in all ways. It's I think it's more important. I think it is uh, 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 an exercise in, in more quality control. Oh, yeah. Bigger names. And I think it it all just sounds so much more together and, and I don't know, just better. Am I, am I wrong on any points? You're only wrong on one of them. What's that? I don't, I don't agree that these are bigger names. You don't think so? Let's just let's just talk about the album first. Let's introduce the name sure. of this compilation first. <laughs> so uh, uh, it's from Hellcat Records. Their their debut sampler. Uh, give them the boot volume one from nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and let me tell you. I also didn't hear this in its entirety until today. <laughs> Dude, are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh my god, this Isn't record is insane? so big. 
I know that that's insane, especially like I <laughs> like to have never even gone back and listened to it. Like I've obviously heard, I've covered songs that only appear on this compilation, but I've never <laughs> heard it in its entirety until today. <laughs> I mean, I guess that is something to be said about compilations, though, as they're they're not necessarily an album you have to listen to beginning to end. You know, and I think it, that's, it can be something. That's kind of what we were saying earlier about the digital yeah. era, like it's not going to affect me the same way as if I'd heard this in 97, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I used to go into this, I used to go into this little record shop and, and the, the girl that worked there was about, you know, five or eight years older than me. So a grown person by all counts. <laughs> yes. She knew me as a kind of like a little Scott section rat, just always kind of looking for how to spend my bag boy paycheck. Just in the, in the corner trolling for checkerboards. Yeah, she would always recommend records to me, and you know, who am I to say no? Like, oh, I'd rather try some bullshit. Like, you know, <laughs> but then she, I walk in, and she was like immediately like, "You have got to get this. It's only five bucks. It's huge. Uh, it's great. Check it out." I'd never really seen those like paper CD covers before, so right. it like, felt very like, "Oh, it's five bucks because like they didn't even care about a jewel case. Like they just wanted it in your fucking hands." Right. You know? right. It felt real immediate, and sure enough, it fucking murdered. It was kind of before I was getting into the tratty stuff, so I was kind of, I started it. I like I came for the Scott Punk and I stayed for the for the tratty stuff, you know, like it right. deepened my appreciation for the slackers. It got me into Hepcat. I'd never heard Django before. lot of like ska punk really on this compilation did you just no it's like ska and punk yes yes exactly but yeah like right out of the gate you're hit with rancid then the slackers then hepcat then the pie tasters like that's a killer combination of first four songs you know right and just the breadth that you see there like it, it really does set the stage it's like the and i think i said this when we were listening or uh, when we were talking to mark is like this whole record feels very like Here's some stuff you might hear in 77. You know, here's some stuff yes. that doesn't yes. necessarily sound alike, but goes alike, you know? Right, right. There's like a an aesthetic similarity, uh-huh. uh, kind of where they're placing this like street punk side by side with like neo-traditional or like soul reggae or whatever. Like I do. Does he love you? Does he love you? Oh, baby. If I had heard this in 1997, I don't know what I would have thought of it. Mm. Like, I think that this this would have accelerated my musical tastes so much. This would have just, <laughs> I would have just skipped several years of musical development. And, because uh, like looking, like even listening back to this, I'm like, damn, can I, can you imagine me having listened to these songs in 97 instead of like five, ten years later? It would have been too eye-opening, you're saying. <laughs> well, I, I I feel like I missed out. I, I'll tell you that. It, <laughs> it felt like a corner was turning. Like, because already you could feel that the, the ska boom was happening. Like, I feel like... Oh, yeah, by 97. Somewhere in 97, it was like, okay, saturation point. I, everyone could feel it go okay Scott Punk is getting a little played out but there is something deeper here there is something more here and like I said the, the whole thing wasn't for me off the bat but like as I played it I'd go okay now this song is important to me now this song like it just like the the, the record it took it took time it was a slow burner you know right right and each track is kind of like another it's another invitation to look, listen to something else and find a new little corner of Sky that you didn't know about. Dave Hilliard, Rocksteady 7, and being like, I think I want to buy this record, you know? That that was something to me, like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to listen to Scott Jazz now. 
And that song closes the compilation after Choking Victim and F minus. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like a weird little Trad Scott uh, sandwich at the end. It's Scatolites. Then, then you get the two-tone sound of the silencers, and then you have this like triplet of of really, really short, really, really hard punk tunes, and then right back into the Scott Jazz. It's 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 how to build a a, a good mix CD right here, you know, like. This is ebb and flow, peak and valley, you know, tension and release. And the the way that it dances between the different kinds of ska, obviously, but even like the different levels of like the different subgenres of punk, uh, it just kind of, I mean, as a statement, obviously, like this was intended more to introduce the label than to yeah. to sell the idea of ska to the masses or whatever. Right. No, yeah, I feel like it wasn't trying to sell it. It was trying to almost make us appreciate what we were missing, you know? Yeah, and in a way, I think it's just, it's sort of just a, a monument to the taste of the people who run the label, whether yeah. it's Tim by himself or whoever else makes the decisions. It was like... Well, to hear the slackers say it was the Wicks, right? Right. No, that's true. Um, so, like, this is... Yeah, it's somebody had good taste in ska and reggae and punk music and they put this together and exposed like cross-contaminated a lot of people cross-pollinated maybe is the more more friendly word <laughs> contaminated <laughs> and just kind of like I, I can see that if like if i had listened to this after i heard rancid on the radio God damn it, I would have been to a Slacker show so much sooner. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you should have been, man. You should I, have I, been. I, I fucked it all up. Um <laughs> I, I didn't follow I didn't follow Rancid and uh, deep enough, man. So here here we are. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the Union 13 Spanish cover of Roots Radicals was so fucking killer to me back then. That Probably still is. That did kind of blow my mind. I was like, no shit. In 97, they, they already had a cover in Spanish. <laughs> you want to talk about the silencers for a minute? Sure. Because, like, I feel like we have to, like, having done the podcast that we've done this whole time, we have to at least comment on, on the song Policeman by the Silencers, which is just Tim Armstrong and Vic Ruggiero. Because, uh, like, this band never officially released another song, but this song has had quite a goddamn life of its own. Oh, yeah. And we, we talked a little bit about how like this is this was part of the Life Won't Wait demos. Right, right. I, I love that Silencers demo. It's actually like one of my favorite records. Like for a while there I was kinda so rare and unheard of that to to, you know, play it for somebody was like a real like like have you heard this, you know? Right. I feel like it it's it's reached a certain amount of uh, distribution now where it's not quite the, the secret weapon that it once was. <laughs> right. But yeah, man, very cool compilation, very cool collection of songs. I, I mean, you can I can look back. I can see how this did influence the tastes of people, how these bands yeah. did get the word out and all of that. Like, I think that this is a fantastically curated collection of songs, of bands, and I think it must have done wonders. It did do wonders for the tastes of the people who heard it. So, man, <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. All right, yeah, definitely for me. Uh, this is a huge record for me personally, and I think I think you'd have a hard time saying that we're wrong. Yeah, real hard time. Honestly, like part of it is is kind of a technological thing. Like I said, no jewel case. That was kind of novel. Five dollars for a CD is because it was like that cardboard like digi pack, right? Is that what that's right? Called? It's yeah. like it was insanely cheap for for this. It was it was such a good 
good way to debut Hellcat Records. Like right. the 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 liner notes was a big poster you could fold out. The the art was by uh, Jesse from Op Ivy. Like this was like designed to just like win a Scott kid over, you know, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was stylish. It was cool. It was danceable. It's kind of edgy. Mm-hmm. Had all of it, man. Uh, so yeah, uh, two thumbs up, right? Two thumbs up. That's all it takes to go into this cannon. <laughs> well, so I think we did. I think we did a good job talking about compilations, Matt. What do you think? Man, I think we knocked it out of the damn park. All right. <laughs> then it's official. We did a good job. Uh, I suppose this would conclude another episode of Horn Pod. Uh, if you're into this kind of thing, maybe tell your friends. Yes, come on, tell your friends. Help us become the world's top ska podcast by leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I know it's a couple of hoops to jump through, but uh, it really does make all the difference in the world. If you would just like hop on to that Apple Podcast app and just give us a quick rating and review. It's super painless, I swear. Uh, But more than anything, please just keep coming back for another episode of Horn Pod. And let me just also add, like, send an episode to a friend of yours and be like, yo, I've got this controversial theory and, like, engage them, dare them to disagree and then send them an episode and then they can be either defeated by us or stand in defiance to us and then be invited (laughs) in to listen to more to see how much more they agree or disagree with us. So just, you know, spread it. Spread the word. That's how you do it. All right. Good night. Bye. Bye.